everyone, and welcome to Magical Streaming, a podcast where we watch Disney Plus and then talk about it. My name is Amber. My name is Marie. And today's episode is The Adventures of Ichabod and Mr. Toad. That's, that's what it is, yes. <laughs> it's our chronological week. Uh, a little rough for Marie. Her birthday was yesterday, which... Usually we watch the movie the day before we record the podcast, and I said no, as we're watching it on Monday, because I'm not watching this movie on my birthday. I don't know what it is. I might end up enjoying it, but considering our previous experiences with packaged films, odds are low. You know what else is considered a packaged film? What? The Many Adventures of Winnie the Pooh. Interesting. Although it has the same protagonist, all the stories are really little blips. I guess. I guess to me, yeah, like, to me a package film is... Two separate stories, but they yeah. are separate stories. They're no, just the same cast. No, but not just separate stories, just, like, completely different. Uh, uh, anyway. According to Wikipedia. Okay, well... It's a package film. The only good one ever made. All right, well, let's start off with uh, the Disney Plus synopsis, and right off the bat... I can see that the first um, genre description they're giving to this movie is thriller, and that's that's an interesting. I mean, choice. it's a little thrilly. Yeah, I guess for for the time, especially. Although I mean, With no, Sleepy they had a Hollow. bunch of horror movies in those years. But, but yeah, I guess. Anyway, uh, synopsis goes as follows. Through animation wizardry, the wind in the willows, and the legend of Sleepy Hollow come together in one fabulous adventure. Hang on for a wild car ride with Jay Thaddeus Toad as he drives his friends Mole, Rat, and Angus McBadger into a worried frenzy. Then meet Ichabod Crane, a spindly fellow who needs to fend off the town bully if he wants to sweep the beautiful Katrina Van Tassel off her feet. Well, I got some issues with this. <laughs> well, also- we're back. <laughs> We're we're back to to problems with synopsis is synopsi. Whatever. Uh through animation wizardry no, this isn't wizards wizards rivisit. It's not wizardry. It's just It's animation. Yeah, it's just putting some films together. <laughs> I mean, not to look down on animation skill because it is an incredible no, 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 skill but, like, but if you're gonna that say that this sound. particular movie uses wizardry then i don't know what the other ones are using exactly so let me tell you a little about this as it is a package film there's no real budget information uh they, it did make some money through rentals but that's like a weird uh, i don't count that so it was premiered on october 5th 1949 so we're finishing out the 40s. Um, but the idea of these two stories have different... So The Wind in the Willows, which is the Mr. Toad portion of this, and Sleepy Hollow, which is the Ichabod portion of this, have different histories. So The Wind in the Willows... Uh, actually, way back in 1938, after Snow White was finished, James Bordereau and Campbell Grant brought it up as a potential to Disney and really pushed him for it. He thought it would be corny, but he was like, fine, I'll buy the rights. And he did. And they started in April of 1941 to um, put it into production. Everything was going. And then the strike happened. Now, because... Uh, well, the strike in the war. It was specifically the strike, in this case. Um, the strike meant that no new projects could be started. Only the projects that had already been in the works. So, like Dumbo, and like Bambi, and like The Wind in the Willows, could be um, continued. The Wind in the Willows was supposed to be its own feature film. However, Disney looked at what was going on and at it, and he was like, this isn't that good, and he threw it in a shelf. Then, in 1946, they took it off the shelf, dusted it off, and shortened it to about 25 minutes. And we're like, you know what? 
Yeah. That works. Yeah, this is better. But then, later in 1946, in August, they threw it back on the shelf. They were like, no, nah, we're not happy with this. It's still not where we want it. Then in December of 1946, production began on The Legend of Sleepy Hollow. So now we're back to the Ichabod portion. Um, And they started looking at all these shorts that they were working on and trying to pair them together for the package films. The Wind in the Willows was going to be paired. They they were like, okay, we'll, we'll package this with something. So they brought it out and they were going to pair it with The Legend of Happy Valley, which ended up being paired with Bongo. Um, ultimately, but they were going to pair Originally, Wind and Willows, Legend of um, Happy Valley, and The Gremlins. Now, The Gremlins ended up being completely shelved and never saw the light of day. But when those were all together, uh, that was the plan moving forward. When The Gremlins dropped out, they decided, we'll continue Wind in the Willows and The Legend of Happy Valley, and this would be called Two Fabulous Characters. But then, they were looking at Bongo... And then they were looking at The Legend of Happy Valley. And then they were looking at Bongo. And then they were like, you know what? These two are better. So they shoved out The Wind in the Willows and paired uh, The Legend of Happy Valley with Bongo. And that became Fun and Fancy Free, which we talked about last month. But in 1947, late 1947... They looked at The Legend of Sleepy Hollow. They looked at The Wind in the Willows. They were like, yeah, you'll work. And they put them together. When this came out, critics went crazy. They loved it. People on Rotten Tomatoes still love it. The people have spoken. But to quote Nick Fury, I recognize the council has made a decision, but given that it's a dumbass decision, I've decided to ignore it because that is exactly how I feel. Um, The movie did win a Golden Globe for the best cinematography color film. Uh, So it won a, you know, pretty prominent award. And they were both aired in their separate segments, on TV through the Disneyland series and through other series over the years. We're going to get into longevity after... Staying power. Staying power, whatever. Whatever we're calling it these days. After the trivia, because wow, is it a wild ride. Yeah. I mean, this one, it was... Okay, it was definitely interesting. It had moments where I was like, I don't really feel like paying attention. But I did like it better than some of the previous package I agree. films. I just don't package films in general, with the exception of Winnie the Pooh, to me and you know why I think Winnie the Pooh is an exception? Because it's the same characters. So you have a long time to get to know these characters and to grow attached to them and to care about their story. We're kind of just jumping into stories here and we're getting a short little version of them. And it doesn't build time for a relationship. It doesn't, because everything has to move so quickly, it makes it hard for me to care about them. (laughs) Well, and as we'll talk about, uh, in some cases also, they're just not really sympathetic. Right. Protagonists anyway. In the times, they were viewed differently, but nowadays, growing up with the media that we did, I think that what we consider sympathetic characters is different. Maybe. (laughs) And protagonist-worthy characters are different than what it was in the 40s. All right, well, let's jump into some trivia. Um, so, actually, you mentioned Two Fabulous Character being an original title, but you mentioned it for when they were pairing um, the Legend Wind of Happy the Willows Valley. with Legend of Happy Valley. What I found was actually, there was straight up the original title for this story, these two stories together, 
Um, because the only reason these two stories are linked together is the fact that the main characters are prone to disaster. I don't know. You can say that. So I guess it's, I saw kind of some conflicting things, and that was how I, I did see it worded that way, but I also saw it worded that the working title for The Legend of Happy Valley and Wind in the Willows was two fabulous characters. So, who knows? eh, Question marks. And then, yeah, so ultimately those two sections of the film have really nothing in common. They have no common character or theme, which is frequent in those, but they're also just two very different stories. And they are set in different time periods. Uh, So beginning in 1955, the two sections, as you mentioned, are typically uh, when they're televised, released on home video, or when they're marketed, they're viewed as two separate films. That makes sense. Um... Yeah, because there's really nothing to tie them together. Um, now, for Wind in the Willows, I have I kind of separated my trivia okay. for both. Um, so, kind of like Fun and Fancy Free, they and probably because they had initially paired it off with Legend of Happy Valley. Uh, is that really? I thought that was the original name for that, and then the official name is Mickey and the Beanstalk. Correct. Okay, you just kept calling it the wrong name. Correct. No, that's what it is called in all the articles. Because at the time of production, when it was being produced, it was that's, referred to uh, exclusively as The Legend of Happy Valley. Okay. Well, so, like Fun and Fancy Free, it was originally planned that Jiminy Cricket would appear in the film to introduce Wind and the Willows. Uh, but then that was dropped. So, I don't know. They wanted to give Do you have Jiminy some... a break. Do you know another reason why uh, the narrators became? Because the narrators are big names. Yes, Bing Crosby and um, the other one. <laughs> the one that's not Bing Crosby. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, do you have the fact on why they were added? No. So they added them as narrators because they wanted to have some like popular names to draw people in. So... Probably another reason why they scrapped the idea of Jiminy was so that they could use these narrators to really draw in the crowds. People saw Bing Crosby and they were like, ooh, Bing Crosby. Yeah. I mean, one of the things I did see about Bing Crosby is he is a reason why Ichabod Crane was given such big ears. (laughs) To kind of pay homage to Bing's own very big ears. That seems kind of rude. (laughs) Yeah, I don't know. Uh, so the original plan for the adaptation, well, as you mentioned, was supposed to be a full feature film, uh, but thankfully for this one, they re- decided to reduce the adaptation to a package film before they animated those extra oh, scenes goodness. because they did have a uh, screenplay for the scenes that ended up being cut out. Uh, now, the Toon Patrol villains which are from Who Framed Roger Rabbit. Yes, which we did an episode on. Yeah, they were designed and patented after The Weasel in this particular movie, which I was like, yeah, actually... That makes a lot of sense. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. They look very similar. Um, Another character, I don't... It wasn't specifically, like, I don't think it was directly modeled after, but the character of the rat definitely reminded me of The Great Mount Detective. Oh yes, definitely. Uh, now in the in the movie, Angus McBadger tells Ratty and Mole that something has to be done about Toad because he's spending too much money. That was a dig at Roy Disney because he was always complaining to the animators about Walt spending too much money. I mean, he wasn't wrong. <laughs> no, he wasn't. Um, We've seen time and time again. Walt was like, we're going over budget, boys. (laughs) He just threw out work because he didn't like it. He did not care. Yeah. Uh, They did also... So, the version, the Disney version of Mr. Toad, I guess this is sort of trivia, but sort of staying power. uh, Because it talks about some appearances. So, the character has made some appearances over the years in other Disney movies, but rarely notable characters uh the most prominent one was the silent part of Fezziwig in mickey's christmas carol mm, which i, I love mickey's christmas carol i don't recall watching it 
Get the out. Look, the look I'm getting right now. Get out. How, how can you not have watched Mickey's Christmas Carol? It's just a Christmas Carol with Mickey in it. I know, but I didn't grow up watching a Christmas Carol. Period. What do you mean you didn't grow up? You love Christmas and y'all never were watching. I watched, so, The Muppets Christmas Carol, Mickey's Christmas Carol, Scrooged, my favorite version of A Christmas Carol, just straight up A Christmas Carol. We would watch it in English classes throughout, like, it's just not as big a thing. No, you guys were too busy watching The Sound of Music. Okay, just because it played on Christmas Day. (laughs) I don't understand. They just played movies on... I think they they would also play... I'm actually not 100% sure because I've never seen the full of it. We're going to see it at some point. Uh, But Race to Witch Mountain, I think that's the movie they would play every single New Year's Eve. And I would only ever catch a few bits of it on TV before we had to leave for my uncle's house for to go celebrate for Christmas Eve, uh, New Year's Eve. So, Quebec is so strange. Those cho- whoever was making these choices in programming, I have one question, and Liz, it's why we had listen. There are so many. So many movies and cartoons that I associate to Christmas that would make no sense to anybody else. Like, there was, um... Like the Flintstones Christmas special? I've I've watched a Flintstones Christmas... I don't know if it's the same one. The one I would watch was where uh, he has to replace Santa Claus. I can't remember, honestly. Anyway. Uh, But no, like, uh... (laughs) I mean, you probably don't know Asterix because it's a French comic. I, I've i lived here long enough that I know. Yeah. Well, they usually, they would play the... The live action version. Yeah, I no, see No, they it. would see, they would play the comic version, like the animated versions. They, there's several, like they've adapted several comics into short-ish movies. Right. And that's what they would play. There's like a countdown and that's what they would play. So I associate that to Christmas because... That's what we will watch leading up to Christmas. And you never watched a Mickey Christmas Carol. Get out of here! It wasn't on my TV. What do you want me to tell you? (laughs) Anyway. Um, So this was also... Okay, I only somewhat agree with this one. Uh, This is considered the first Disney animated feature film to have a surprise antagonist who didn't seem so evil at first until the true colors get revealed towards the climax. Which what? is, in the case of this film, Winky, the bar I, the owner. No, no, no. I, I understand. You right. <clears throat> Did they not watch Pinocchio? Where you're all like, oh, he seems pretty nice. We'll go to his island. And then he was turning boys into donkeys and selling them. What? I don't know that anyone in Pinocchio seems nice. Because you can't. You know that uh, Honest John and... I can't remember. Gideon. Gideon. Uh, are not nice, so why would they bring him to people that are nice? I, okay, then you know? what were you thinking of? No, the the reason isn't... I don't disagree um, this being the first. I disagree that it's a surprise antagonist. Well, in the story, you're like, yeah, he's just chill, and he's happy and smiling, and he comes in, and Mr. Toad's like, he's going to tell him the truth, and then I'm leaving. He's ready to walk out that door. But I don't think think that's where the twist supposedly happens. I think the twist supposedly happens when they see him in Toad Hall with the weasels. Because up until that point, they don't know that they're all working together. Why else would he do that? It would... just to From, be like, no, Toad is lying. That makes him the antagonist. Uh, he's getting Toad thrown in da- jail. If he's our protagonist, then that means Winky is our... Oh, that poor Teletubby. Oh, let it go. <laughs> that makes him the antagonist. I guess. But anyway, to me, yeah, I don't know. Um... That's that's about it for when the Willows. Okay, let's let's move on then. Uh, so for Sleepy Hollow, so this does actually come from a local tradition. The story that was written by uh, Wash, uh, Washington Irving. Yeah, wrote the short story Legend of Sleepy Hollow. 
Um, so yes, it comes from a legend tra- tradition in the Sleepy Hollow area, which speaks of the decapitated corpse of a Hessian trooper that was discovered after a violent skirmish of the American Revolutionary War. Uh, it was reportedly buried in an unmarked grave in the old Dutch burying ground, uh, which is also featured in the story. So, you know, this goes to say he probably was familiar with the story and decided to use it as inspiration. Um, So while also something else he might have used for inspiration, um, because the name Ichabod is rarely used. It's not a very common name. It's an ugly name. But there was actually a historical figure called Ichabod Crane. Ichabod Bennett Crane was a career military officer who was best remembered for his role in the War of 1812. Uh, Washington Irving never admitted to borrowing his name, but there's a strong possibility for it because they were acquaintances, having met in 1814. Well. Uh, The other option would be that he would be named after a minor biblical character. He appears, Ichabod appears in the books of Samuel. All right, well. And, yeah. Um, now, this is something you mentioned while we were watching it. hmm That it looked like that's what it was gearing to be. Uh, but the character of Brown Bones later became the inspiration for the character of Gaston in Beauty and the Beast. I, uh, we I were, did comment on that. Yep, yeah, we were watching it, and you said, this looks like it's gearing up to be a Gaston-like character. But he wasn't... Gaston. There's, okay, so there is a bit of, like, in the quote-unquote fandom for this movie. Um, Contention? If he's an antagonist or not? Not even that, but, like, who the real antagonist of the movie is. Because... I'm gonna go on record and say Ichabod Crane is an antagonist uh, in this story. He's Yeah, because, you know, it clearly... He uses women just to get food. Like, yo. Yeah, and then he's like, ooh, this girl's daddy rich. I'm gonna go for her. Yeah! He a gold digger. Pretty much. Uh, So, yeah, and like, I mean, nobody... That's a, well, the now other we're guy veer- is not good either. Yeah, now we're veering into hot takes, but nobody is sympathetic in this entire movie. No. Like, Katrina is... You know she's using him to make the other guy jealous. Right. It, that, that's what it is like she's like let's make this a little more interesting it's too easy for him you know anyway um, now the song in the movie The Headless Horseman which is sung by Brom is considered one of the darkest songs written for a Disney film uh, much like Worthless from The Brave Little Toaster and Hellfire from Hunchback of Notre Dame. Has anybody heard Hellfire? Okay, they didn't say the darkest song. It was one of the darkest songs. Uh, but yes, much like these other two songs, it was nearly cut from the film. And the headless horseman himself is often cited as, along with Firebird from Fantasia 2000, The Horn King in Black Cauldron, and Chernabog in Fantasia, as one of the scariest villains of he pretty scary. in the Disney canon. Uh, to this day, much like Chernabog, Disney still receives complaints from parents about the character frightening their children. Well, you know what? Maybe do your research before you let your kid watch the movie. We've talked about this before. Sometimes it's an honest mistake. <laughs> okay, well, don't write to Disney about it. You're the one who didn't look it up. Yeah. I mean, and you if you're watching the movie with your child, you can kind of see that it's gearing up to be... To be spooky! Yeah. Yeah! So, no, it, not for all ages. I guess also it depends, like, what is it rated? It is rated it's G. It's rated G. Could it be rated PG? I don't know. I, I, I guess it depends on the age. Like, you know, for a six or seven year old... If, it, he, if it's a me six or seven year old, it probably. Do would you be think scary. he's scarier than the hag? In do you think you would have been more scared of him than you were of the hag in Snow White, as a small child? Probably equally. Right. So what's the problem? Yeah, I don't know. Uh, now to save money on animation, because you know it was hard times. Because Roy was like, "Hey, we can't just keep on, the strike, money. The studio was losing money. 
anyhow, so to save money, Katrina was modeled closely after Grace Martin from Make My Music. Uh, and she also greatly resembles Slufu Tzu from Peckles Bill. Yep. In Melody Time. She also kind of reminded me at times of Cinderella. Like Oh, I was going to say she reminded me of Bo Peep, which is way further in the future, but yeah. she does. Like, not obviously not all of her, but just yeah. her general features and, like, body shape and the blonde hair. and Yeah. So, like, maybe I hear you. they were... Obviously, by the time they were working on this, they had to have been working on Cinderella as well because it came out the following year. So maybe they were just like, yeah, we'll just maybe make it across the board. Um, now, the original short story explicitly states that Katrina is 18 years old, uh, but it's unclear about the ages of her shooters. They could be... Of similar age, or they could be older than her. It is left to the imagination of the reader. He's definitely in his thirties. I mean, okay, the way he is portrayed, and now I like I'm talking about the original short story. I haven't read the original short story, but in this movie, he's definitely in his thirties. Yeah, they're. I do think they're portraying him for sure to be quite. I would say several years older than she is. Especially if you're saying 30s and she's 18, then you're looking at at least 15 years, probably. I would say Brown was probably mid-20s. Yeah. Yeah. Still older. Yeah, for sure. Um, And then my last fact for this, the Headless Horseman is one of the few Disney villains to quote-unquote win. Because it's left up to your exactly. There's it's ambiguously like you you see him with a family, but that's kind of like some people said that's what happened. I don't think it's necessarily right confirming that he got away from it. I think it's I saying think this did. is potentially what happened to the what could have happened to him. I don't want him to. <laughs> but yeah, very good chances are that he did just straight up die. Good. <laughs> okay. Uh, We're not so in hot take. But, okay, so I'm going to start first with the staying power of uh, The Legend of Sleepy Hollow because it's just quick and easy. The Headless Horseman rides every boot to you parade at Mickey's not-so-scary Halloween party in at least Walt Disney World. I didn't check about Disneyland. Um, one of the best parts of the parade, yeah. honestly, that parade, you have to see it at least once. It's one of the best parades Disney does, hands down. But the Headless Horseman starting it out as he rides down the street on a horse. It's super just hear- cool. Yeah, and it's just hearing like the clapping of the horse getting closer. Yeah, oh, I love it. I love it. Also, there's a Sleepy Hollow restaurant it's right there so in good. Liberty Square. Serves bomb waffles. Also serves some good chicken. Now. <laughs> now. Mr. Toad. Mr. Toad has a crazy, crazy staying power. Let's start first. Um, in Disneyland Paris, they have a restaurant called Total that serves British and American food. At one point, Mr. Toad's Wild Ride, which is going to be the bulk of this, was slated to go over. Um, it was going to be a little bit different than its American counterparts. The ride was going to end with you uh, getting into quote-unquote, you wouldn't change ride vehicles, a flying machine, like Mr. Toad sees at the end of the movie. It was never brought over. So, they just had the Toad dining hall. Um, Which is so random, because... It's uh, so weird. It's... Like, I feel like even the following that the ride has in the American parks isn't so much because of the movie. It's because they enjoyed the ride. So, Mr. Toad's Wild Ride... Opened July 17th, 1955 in Disneyland. Still operating to this day. Opened in Walt Disney World, Fantasyland, October 1st, 1971. Closed September 7th, 1998. But not without a crap ton of controversy. That's right, we're going to talk about Save Toad. Save Toad was a website created to save Mr. Toad Wild Ride. This all went down. There's so many notes about this. Okay, so on October 22nd, 1997, the Orlando Sentinel 
still a newspaper in Orlando, still covers theme park news, wrote an article speculating that Mr. Toad's Wild Ride was going to be axed. This enraged a certain percentage of the public <laughs> who were already mad about 20,000 leagues under the sea being taken away, who were mad about Horizons, who were mad about uh, all of Future World and Epcot, really. They were angry. So, <clears throat> John LaFonte made a Save Toad website, savetoad.com. Now, savetoad.com is up, but you can't really access it on savetoad.com. But if you search Save Toad, um, you will see a, it's the, oh, yeah, well, it is it, just... but it doesn't redirect anymore to savetoad.com. Yeah, but you can go on savetoad.com. It is, in all its 90s glory, you very much a 90s website. I recommend anyone go and read it. It had posters. It had... Oh my goodness. It had drama. And you know what else it had? A face of the campaign. Jeff Mosscrop became the public face of this campaign. And they posted, and they're still there, the phone numbers and the addresses to write and send postcards to Marty Scalar, one of the Imagineers, to Michael Eisner, to um, Al West, who was the president of Walt Disney World Resort, to the manager of the Magic Kingdom, to the chairman of Walt Disney Parks Attractions. They went hard, okay? They had tons of numbers and they had postcards made up and they had shirts and the shirts said save Mr. Toad or ask me why Mickey is killing Mr. Toad. They had posters when they heard that Winnie the Pooh was going to be replacing Mr. Toad that said things like Winnie the Pooh can go straight to hell <laughs> and had <laughs> and had an image of my babe Winnie the Pooh, looking frightened, holding some honey, with a devil. <laughs> and then it said, Save Toad at the bottom. They also had, like, Motor Mania is not a crime, SaveToad.com. This website, in 1997, got over, and into 1998, got over 60,000 hits, which sounds super lame in today's night numbers. In 1997, that's crazy numbers. In fact, over 1,500 people subscribed to the mailing list in 1997, 1998, when people were still using AOL. I'm just, I'm looking at the website right now, and one of the things is, how could Disney destroy this little boy's favorite ride in the world? And there's a picture of a little boy <laughs> in the parks. And it says, Disney has bulldozed, bulldozed this little boy's dream. Tell those mean old Disney suits where to stick it. This got so much media attention. And in fact, in October 22nd was when the Sentinel wrote their first piece. The next week, October 29th, 1997, they published... They got a Save the Toad article in the Atlanta Constitution. And if you go on the website, there is Fame and Fortune, which just shows all the articles, all the news coverage that came out of this campaign to save Mr. Toad. And it goes on and on and on. They and would have... It's like when you reblog something on Tumblr that's been reblogged a lot. It just goes like... It alien. is insanity. They held their first Toad-in. Let me tell you about Toad-ins. People in their Save Mr. Toad green shirts would come to the parks and they would take pictures and invite news crews who came, BT-dubs, to the park. And they would 
save Mr. Toad. And they had stickers that they would stick on things. And security would watch them like a hawk. And, you know, they would talk to people about what was going to happen to Mr. Toad with their official shirts that people bought with, you know, the ask why Mickey is killing Mr. Toad, save Mr. Toad, Mr. Motor Mania is not a crime, all these green things. And people would turn up to the parks with their signs and just, they had multiple Toad-ins, official and unofficial. Now, this ride, because I knew a little bit about it, made me think I knew what the movie was about. Because there's a very specific scene in this ride. Um, and the theme park tourist described this ride. Quote, Mr. Toad's wild ride had a certain X factor that has never been duplicated anywhere else. A bizarre blend of charm and terror that made it one of a kind. So this ride... The Walt Disney World version was considered to be the superior version, much like Tower of Terror at Walt Disney World was considered to be the superior Tower of Terror. The Walt Disney World version had two sides of the ride, two different tracks that would intersect at one point, making it look like you were going to crash before you continued on, and then you ended up at the end. So, on one side, you would go through Winky's Tavern, and there was a picture of a mostly naked lady on the ceiling. Ooh. Very salacious. And on the other side, you were helping the, ja- the weasels break out of jail. The weasels? Yes. When are the weasels in jail? They're not in the movie. Nah. And then what would happen is... One moment. I have a quote here that I sent myself because I could not write all this down. Did I not send it? Oh, no. Um, basically, what happens is you go through a door at the end because either you've been in the tavern seeing naked ladies or you've been helping people break out of jail. So you know where you end up after you crash into a semi-truck? Hell. <laughs> you go to hell. And there are little devils with their little pitchforks. There are flames. There's... A ton of stuff. You're in hell now. Okay? The ride ends with you going to hell and then following some demons to escape. This ride doesn't sound like it ever belonged. Like It's still operating in Disneyland. In a park, but not like the Magic Kingdom in Fantasyland. Still operating in Fantasyland in Disneyland. Good lord. This ride was insane and i thought because of the ride when mr toad is going to the bottom of the ocean he sunk down i was like is this when he goes to hell because i was convinced from what i knew about the ride that mr toad ended up in hell at some point he does not end up in hell but they took it in the ride the imaginator sat down and he said you know what it's a continuation of the movie We all know he was going to hell. Wouldn't it be fun if we could take the kitties to hell? And you just shove them on this two-person ride going straight to hell. That is what they did. It was wild, as the name implies, Mr. Toad's wild ride. And it still exists, as I've said, in Disneyland. Now, Walt Disney company was like people losing their mind about this. The Sentinel came out in October 97 and said it's going to be closing. And Walt Disney said, company said, what? What? No. no. Finally, on September 2nd, 1998, they announced officially that it was going to be closing. When? September 7th, 1998. That's right, five days before it closed. Wait, you didn't need to say September 8th? September 2nd. Okay. Is when they made the announcement. Five days before the official closing. And that final day, oh man, did the Toad Inners show up with their signs. People were screaming things like, Eisner sucks. 
Oh, the creativity here. And during the ride, a child beheaded a Winnie the Pooh plush and threw the head into the ride, which is just... A child? What kind of messed up parent is making their child do this? Winnie the Pooh never did anything to deserve this, okay? And yet his head lay. You're taking this very hard. I can't believe they did this. I can't believe some of their marketing was Winnie the Pooh can go to hell. These people... I cannot believe, and the articles that talk about it say things like, the Winnie the Pooh attraction was put in after this. It opened and has been a beloved attraction for many years at Fantasyland. And you know who it's beloved by? Toad Inners. You know who it's beloved by? Jeff Moscott. Me! I love the many adventures of Winnie the Pooh, and I'm not sure I would have loved Mr. Toad's Wild Ride. So that is the story of the Save Toad one more, saga. Yeah, one more thing I want to... Um, Please go to, on the website. Everybody Google it and go on it because it is a blast from the past. Yeah, um, one of the last posts that looks like was made on the Save Toad website goes, The end is here. Well, it looks like that rat Fink Eisner has finally done it. Mr. Toad had his last wild ride on Labor Day, September 7, 1998. Thanks to everyone who came out and showed that they care more about Walt Disney World than the evil corporate weasels who control its destiny. We did our best, but they just don't care about you. They were so angry. And a lot of them, there were interviews that said... I just didn't renew my passes. I stopped going. They stopped caring about the guests. And I'm like, there are a lot of reasons you could make this claim. But replacing Mr. Toad with Winnie the Pooh is not one of them. Also, I mean, you know, there's... One of the things that they claimed was that the media was kept away because of the $45 entrance fee. That's right, folks. In 1998, it cost $45 to go to the Magic Kingdom. Uh, I mean, it, yeah, like, if, if it's not a big enough story for them, no, they're not going to pay to go into the park. Like, and the park's not just going to let them in just because they're the media. Like, anyway... But, uh, no, that is, I mean, a lot of rides do have very strong followings and people that get very angry when things change or things are replaced. So, like, can't really go down on them too hard because there are definitely rides that I would throw a fit if they were trying to replace. And we've not done this ride, so we don't know what it was. You are biased because you love Winnie the Pooh. How uh, it does seem very extreme. a bear! Yeah, that seems very extreme. Um, the shirts, you know, the signs. Ultimately, I think it's people also giving themselves a feeling of more importance than they had. Because, yes, they were making a lot of noise and they were getting a lot of hits and subscribers. But ultimately, even if you look at 15,000 people signing up, signing up for the mailing list. It was 1,500. Have- 1500 it was 1997 okay well that's even crazy like how many people in a day go to the disney parks like but again this was 1997 lots of people didn't have internet didn't know how to work the internet okay but how big was the crowd that security didn't just throw them out the moment they came in it couldn't have been that big like most of the pictures you see of groups of about 20 people yeah, so in what possible universe do you think that amount of people, no matter how much media coverage they got, and who knows how much of it got they got because either news was slow or maybe someone knew someone somewhere? like It made international news. But it's, like, groups of 20? Come on. 
we're talking about a company that sees thousands of thousands of people per day in the parks. They're not, I'm sorry, but no, they're not going to care about your opinion. Right. It's just a wild time. It's a wild ride. It is. That's a wilder ride than this, the ride itself, and that sounds pretty wild. So that's why I had to end on this. I. It's insane. And it's a more interesting story to me than the movie. The actual movie itself. <laughs> this was... I spent more time reading about this, looking at things, than I did watching the entire movie. Yeah. Like, you know, to a point, obviously, you want a company to stay true to its roots. But at the same time, it's understandable that in some aspects, they have to make changes to appeal to newer generations. And this is a movie that came out in 1949. It was a package film. It wasn't like... I mean, it was life, to be fair, The Many Adventures of Winnie the Pooh is based on the movie The Many Adventures of Winnie the Pooh, which came out in the 70s. However, there was The New Adventures of Winnie the Pooh, which was on TV when you were younger, and people, rightfully so, loved Winnie the Pooh. But it's just, Winnie the Pooh is one of those things where it's just part of so many people's childhood. Yeah. You know, like, it's just one of those things. You either, even regardless, if you've watched a movie, you've watched a TV show, you've read the books, you've had a stuffed animal, so many people have a version or another of Winnie the Pooh in their life at some point in their childhood. So I understand the company veering in that direction. Doesn't mean that they should always do it. Like In Disneyland, to make room for Winnie the Pooh, guess what they got rid of? Country Bear Jamboree. Uh, I mean, that's, that's where I come Yeah, we're not. <laughs> you don't want to alienate Courtney. <laughs> no, I don't. Uh, anyway, it's... So back to the adventures of Ichabod and Mr. Toad. I think we kind of put our hot takes into the... Yeah, they were kind of peppered in there. Peppered in. Ichabod did not deserve a happy ending. No, not really. He was was kind of a jerk. And like, okay, so you see almost at the very beginning of the movie, he is straight up about to hit that child until he's like, ooh, that kid has a very full lunchbox. Better befriend him so that I can get fed by his mama. Right! Learn how to cook yourself, sir. Yeah, so no morals. And Mr. Toad, too. It's... He breaks out of jail. Well, he is innocent, to be fair. But, I mean, Mr. Toad is also not very sympathetic to me in the sense that he is literally someone who has no job because he lives off of the money that he inherited. Yeah. So... We didn't have time for rich boys just jetting around... Buying cars with their houses? No, no, no. Is it straight up trading your house for a car? How? What? What kind of decision is that? Like, I don't understand. No, it's not a good also because of Mr. Toad's wild ride. I kind of thought we were going to see the car ride in the movie, but you don't. No, you never (laughs) see him in. Like, you there's a picture of him in the car as he gets arrested in the newspapers. And that's it. That's it. That's all you see of him in a car. You never see him in the actual car. Right. So, the ride gave me a lot of false conceptions about what What the short was going to be. be. So, let's talk villains. We'll rank them separately. One, Brune, are we calling him a villain? No. There's... Everybody's He's, awful in this movie. Everybody. Yeah, they're all There's pretty, no protagonist. They're all on even ground. I mean, the villain, I guess, would be the headless horseman. Oh, wait. Why did I... Yeah, the, the headless horseman. He's cool. You know what? He deserves yeah. a head. I'm I'm on his side. Yeah, yeah. I don't even want him I'm to not be... Gonna give, I'm not going to rank him as a villain. He's the literally the best character in this he's movie. He's the protagonist. Everybody <laughs> else is just in the way. Yeah, exactly. It's just like, hey, this is my space. Um, And then Mr. Winky and the Weasels... They're, they're just like boring. a four. Yeah, they're not. They're not very. They're trying creative. to swindle him out. Like put an innocent man in jail. That's, that's bad. I guess 
fine. A six for putting an innocent man in jail. The, the one thing that confuses me is, like, they were already getting the house. Did they just really want to keep the car that bad? I think so. Okay. Yeah. They want, they want both. They want both things. So, let's talk rewatchability. Eh. You know what? Maybe around Halloween time. I just want to watch from the part. I don't want to watch any of Ichabod's nonsense. I want to start at the song, end with his head being gone. That's it. I don't care about the rest. Yeah, that sounds good to me. So maybe once in a blue moon (coughs) when we're feeling spooky. Spooky, spooky. Watch the Headless Horseman, the real hero of this film, come in and do his job. Um, Final ranking? Final ranking. Three. For the spooky, spooky Headless Horseman. Yeah, I'm going to go with a 3.5. It's fine. Like, eh, I don't, I don't have strong opinion. I don't hate it. Right. Like, I didn't watch this and be like, "What did I just watch?" I didn't watch it and be like, "As we this said, is it was an more... hour of my time wasted." Yeah. Like, I, I just don't like it. anybody. It's, I just don't love it. You know. Like, I just didn't like anybody except for the yeah. spooky, spooky headless horseman. Yeah. So next week. Uh, next week, I have no idea what we're doing. The it's next week. Jeff Blue. It's Jeff Goldblum week. Oh, right. We're on next week is a Disney Plus original. Did we actually finish that, or are we going to have to finish it? I think we still have a couple of episodes. All right. So that's going to be next week is going to be the... Oh, because I moved it up. Uh, Yeah, The World According to Jeff Goldblum. Yes. Which is... That's another wild ride in itself. And Uh, then, listener's choice, we're going to decide how we're going to do the poll uh, and get that up. When are we getting it up? We're going to get it up beginning of next week? Yeah. Or, okay. So, yeah. So, for this month, because it was my birthday month, I chose the four movies uh, that are going to be pitted against each other. Uh, just kind of keep an eye out uh, on, like, across the board, Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter, because I'm not sure with the polling being complicated on Facebook. Not right. so much complicated, just not there. Um, I might do it instead in an Instagram story um, and then also on Twitter as we do. So we'll see if we're, we're going to figure it out, but just keep an eye across. Right. Uh, so the choices are going to be Moana, Princess and the Frog, Coco, and Brave. Yes. So um, think about what you want. Yep. And, and of uh, course... You can always reach us just for chat and purposes, for hot take purposes, for anything. Tell us if you participated in a toad in. If you and have pictures you feel about it now? of you at a toad in, send them to have us. Have you still not gone in a Disney park since? Tell me. Tell me everything. <laughs> yeah. If you were the child that beheaded Winnie the Pooh, I expect a written apology. <laughs> So yeah, just uh, hit us up, let us know thoughts, comments, suggestions, anything. Uh, you can reach us on Instagram, Magical Streaming. You can reach us on Facebook. We have a Facebook page, Magical Streaming. Uh, we have a Twitter account. Stream the Magic. And we have a Yahoo, which is Magical Streaming at yahoo.com. Uh, so yeah, just drop us a line, anything. And until next time, enjoy your Magical Streaming. Bye-bye.